Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Heidi St. John podcast. Happy Monday to you. Today is October 1st. It's episode number 669. It is also Mailbox Monday here at the podcast. One of my favorite days of the week. I love listening to your questions, the thought that goes into them, and the concern that you guys have for what's happening around you. It really encourages me, as I encourage you, to get off the bench. Today, we're going to be talking about a homeschool mom, a potential homeschool mom, who doesn't think she has the patience for it. We're going to talk about how to find out about candidates and what a church can and cannot do for a political, in a political primary or in an election. And then if I have time, I've got a couple other questions to address about Christian schools and how to teach toddlers the word of God. We've got a jam-packed podcast for you today. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So I appreciate all of your questions. If you are encouraged by this podcast, as always, I just want to ask you again, if you could leave a review for this or rate it over at iTunes, it really is helping us to get this podcast out to other people. If you could share it through your social media outlets, uh, let people know that the Heidi St. John podcast is here. We're getting ready to make a pretty significant change. Uh, not necessarily in the direction of the podcast, but certainly in the name of the podcast. And uh, we think we've got it just about ready to go for you. And then we'll be relaunching it. So we're very excited about that. My heart really is to see you walking in right relationship with the Lord Jesus. It's the reason I wrote Becoming Mom Strong. It's the reason I did the Bible study and then the follow-up book, Prayers for the Battlefield, which by the way, um, if you haven't picked up Prayers for the Battlefield, I just want to encourage you, you can find it almost everywhere the books are sold. If you find it someplace should be carrying it and they're not, let them know that you love to see them carry uh, Prayers for the Battlefield and or Becoming Mom Strong. Um, it is really my heart to see you walking in such a way that you are able to filter everything that you think and every opinion that you form through the scriptures, through the word of God. That's what we want to do, right? Is turn our attention and our hearts back to the Bible. I thought I would open up this podcast today uh, because I'm going to be addressing several questions. I thought I would open it up by just an illustration that I heard uh, several years ago, but I thought it was so good that I've been using it at the women's conference that I've been doing, which by the way, that's coming up on October 6th, right here in Vancouver, Washington. My women's conference this year is called Miracle Worker, the life-changing power of following Jesus. And like I've been saying for a long time, I'm going to say it again today, the gospel should change us. It should move us forward. It should make us more like Christ. Uh, when when the Lord finds us, he doesn't leave us where he finds us, right? We become new creatures with new affections, and that new affection results in obedience. And Charles Spurgeon has an analogy that's really fantastic, uh, and he uses a pig. So I, I'm going to read it for you. So here is Charles Spurgeon's analogy. If you put on one side of the room a gourmet meal and on the other side a pig trough filled with pig slop and then release a pig in that room every single time he'll go to the pig trough. Why? Because he's a pig. That's what pigs do. Now, if the pig was supernaturally transformed into a human being, he would not want to eat from the pig trough anymore. He couldn't even take pig food without vomiting, right? He'd go to the gourmet meal. Why? Because he's not a pig anymore. He's a human. Now, if you are truly converted, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
You've accepted God's free gift of salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you're headed for heaven, then that analogy has just described your conversion. When God supernaturally changed your will and desires from a sin-loving and righteous-hating pig to a sin-hating and righteous-loving human. Now, every once in a while, the Christian might forget that he's no longer a pig and go to eat from the pig trough, but as soon as he does, he'll want to vomit. And if anyone sees him eating from the pig trough, He's ashamed. Why? Because he's not a pig anymore. Humans do not eat from pig troughs. Now let's take it a little bit further because if someone claims that they're a Christian, but they have not much appetite for righteousness, but they would rather openly walk in sin, i.e. I love Jesus and I cuss a little, then they have not much interest in going to the gourmet meal, but would rather eat from the pig trough, then it's evident that they're probably still a pig as the evidence is showing their will and desires have not been changed by God, but rather they are unregenerate and unconverted. As Jesus said, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you recognize them by their fruit. In other words, don't pretend you're a Christian when your life is marked by rebellion to God's will and his word. And I think it's common today for Christians who love to be obedient to the word of God to be accused of legalism. And I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, so I'm not going to elaborate today. But legalism is a term that's often used in the same way as we hear the word homophobe or racist or transphobe or whatever. The motive is generally to uh, shame someone so that no one will listen to their reasoning, so that they'll be quiet, right? And what's really happening here is that the Christian being accused wants to do what God wants him to do. He wants to eat from the gourmet meal, but it's not because he's trying to keep the rules. It's because he realizes it's so much better. He's not a pig anymore. So he doesn't want to eat from the pig trough. But the accuser can't understand why anyone would want to eat from an amazing gourmet meal all the time and not from a pig trough. Why? Because the accuser is still a pig. Spurgeon had incredible insight into the heart of man. And obviously from years and years of study of the Bible, and it was just, it, it struck me so much that this is what we're seeing so much happening in the culture right now. People who are, who are not, uh, who, whose minds have not been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit can't understand why we act the way we do, why we want to live our lives a certain way. It's because they haven't been, their minds haven't been renewed. And they're still living and, and wallowing really in darkness and in sin. But as believers, we want our lives to be marked by change and marked by a growth that other people around us can see, not a pharisaical, you know, uh, look how amazing I am kind of growth, but by a growth that says, hey, I have found the most amazing thing and his name is Jesus and he's changing me. He's changing me. And that's what God wants to do. So as I I get into some of these questions from listeners today, I kind of want to just set that up because a lot of the questions I get come from parents or even some teenagers lately I've been getting questions from young uh, young people about how they feel condemned and judged by the world and that's because they're still a pig and they don't understand why you would want to go eat why why your desire to eat the gourmet meal is because you've recognized you don't want to eat pig slop anymore because it's awful and you found something that's better so hang in there because God wants to grow you up, encourage you, and change you. This uh, question, the first question, comes from uh, a gal who wants to remain anonymous, and she starts off by saying this. Dear Heidi, I have no patience. 
Listen, Anonymous, I, can I just appreciate you saying that right now? Because there have been many times in my life when I have had no patience also, like maybe yesterday. <laughs> she says, I've been spending time in the Word alone with the Heavenly Father and feel at peace in those moments. But in the day-to-day responsibilities of raising them, I lose it. I went so far over the edge this last weekend that my daughter was yelling at me. And instead of walking away or sending her to a room, I slapped her. I felt like I was seconds away from grabbing her by both arms and shaking her. I sent her to her room and I went to my room bawling my eyes out. I know that to deal with any of this, I need to start with the root issue of of my childhood and the damage it was done there. But I feel that every time I make strides to get better and I'm leaning more into the Lord, I get knocked down by a wave of junk. I don't know what to do. I wasn't disciplined as a child. I was abused. I can relate to that. I don't want to do the same thing to my children. I want to raise them well. Where do I start? I know that there isn't an overnight fix, but I have to start moving in the right direction. I can't do what I did this weekend again. I even told my husband he should take the kids and leave me but this is in no way what I want. I was just emotional and I know that we need to do better to protect them. All right. So first of all, I love this question for a couple of reasons. I love that you're recognizing something in your life that needs to change. And I love your humility in uh, being willing to have it addressed on the air. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I want you just to be encouraged because the Lord is at work in your life. I grew up in a very similar environment. I wasn't disciplined as a child, at least not by uh, people who should have disciplined me. I was abused. And uh, I grew up feeling like this is just how it's going to be. I'm going to pass on this thing that was passed on to my father and passed on to him by his father. And it's just a generational hurt. And God has healing for you. And that healing begins through the regeneration, which we just talked about a minute ago, the regeneration that happens when we become new creatures, right? The old things have passed away. The Lord said, behold, it's I made you new. I'm making you new. Girl, you are new. And Sometimes that newness, we can't walk in it. I mean, you heard Wendy talking with me about this last Friday, right? Sometimes we can't walk in it because we have become, we're unwilling to take our thoughts captive. And I think that's where it starts because the battlefield for this generation is being fought in the battle of our, in the battlefield of our mind. The battle is being waged in our minds and we need to speak the truth to ourselves and not a lie. And so God said, I have a new, a new beginning for you. I have a new thing for you. Uh, in Ephesians, he says, you've been given this incredible opportunity to walk, to be children of the light. So walk in the light, walk in the light. Anyone who belong, who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So do you believe it? Because God wants you to believe it. And then when you begin to feel, I love, Wendy and I were talking about this a little bit on Friday. So if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to Friday's podcast. I hope that you will. That podcast, by the way, was a nightmare to record because it kept, uh, we kept losing the recording. And at one point I was like, what are we even talking about? We couldn't, we had a hard time, you know, kind of keeping our thoughts straight because the technology wasn't working. And I finally said to Wendy, I bet there's a whole lot of parents out there who are struggling with this and they need to hear that we don't parent in the problem. We take a break, we come back, we apologize to our children. And then we ask the Lord for that fruit of the spirit that is self-control, which means it's a choice on our part. We make a choice to put off the old man and then we watch the Holy Spirit help us put on the new man. I think that's pretty powerful. I don't know about you. And I also, there's something that you said at the end of your letter, which I want to address really quickly. And I know that you 
that you said it was wrong, but I just want to kind of double double back a little bit because you said that you told your husband that he should take the kids and leave. Can I just encourage you never, ever, 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 ever use that as a manipulation with your family? All right. I stood in the living room one time of a of a woman a long time ago, and she was angry with her husband. And she told me she took off her wedding ring and threw it at him. And I said, you know, there's just some things that we don't do. I'm not going to take off my wedding ring and throw it at my husband. I'm not going to say, you know what, I'm just going to leave. There are some things that we don't allow to come out of our mouths. It's, uh, it's a question of um, wisdom and of self-control and of saying, is this really what you want? I mean, we say lots of things when we're angry. And I just want to really encourage you. I know that, that you said this isn't what you want, but can I encourage you? Just don't even just don't say it. Uh, don't give any power to it. Don't let the enemy live rent-free in your head. God has a change for you, and it changes as you walk in right relationship with him. It encourages me as I uh, I listen to so many women around the country, and men too, but really primarily women, as I hear about the things that you're wrestling with in your lives, and then really they're the same things that we all wrestle with. Like we'd like to think that uh, you know, maybe we're the only one or or we feel alone and we feel isolated, which is just the enemy. But I just want to encourage you, God is able to give you exactly what you need. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, it says, God will generously provide you all that you need. And you notice he doesn't, he does, he doesn't uh, categorize that. He says he's going to generously provide you all that you need. And I think we can assume that means every area of our lives. He goes on to say, the Apostle Paul, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You know what else I think we have left over? We have leftover patience. So we can teach our children what patience looks like. We have leftover self-control because the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he helps us realize, oh man, I'm about to go over the top. I need to stop what I'm doing. Not, not necessarily because... Uh, I don't want to hurt my children, which obviously is a motivating factor, but more because I want to walk in obedience to Christ. I want to see that lordship happen. I don't want to eat from the pig uh, trough anymore. I want to eat the gourmet meal because I know how much better it is. And so uh, Anonymous, you got this. Why do you have this? Because God has you. And so when you, the next time you feel yourself, that anger, uh, uh, rising up in you. Can I just encourage you to be still, remove yourself from the situation, talk to the Lord, turn on your praise music, um, really look at the root of what's making you angry. And then when that anger subsides, deal with the root. And that way we're not always uh, looking at the fruit. All right. I love that. I love your question. I want you to remember that God is always faithful. He always faithful. The Bible says, though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of his greatness and unfailing love. That's Lamentations 3, verse 32. That is God's heart for you, is um, unfailing love, even when you blow it. Uh, I think because of how I grew up, and it sounds like you're in a similar situation, sometimes we think, oh, that's the end, we blew it. Um, we should just we should just take our toys and go home. And God's saying, nope, I'm right here. I'm never gonna leave you. I'm never gonna forsake you. Let's try it again. And I think we're gonna be doing that until we go to heaven. But the point is, we don't wanna stay where we are we want to grow and you can grow. So uh, I love your question. Thank you for writing it. And I hope that this encourages you a little bit today. If you're not studying with me at Mom Strong International, can I just encourage you to do that? Today, we start a brand new series 
uh, at MomStrong International, Parenting on a Battlefield, Aiming Our Arrows Toward Truth. We're going to spend the whole month of October talking about what truth is, how can we know what truth is, how do we pursue it, who defines it, and uh, what the difference is. Uh, what the difference are being able to speak the truth and love will have first on our families and then on the culture. So I hope you'll join us, momstronginternational.com. Today is a great day to join because it's the first day of a brand new study. Next question comes from Evelyn in Indiana. Evelyn is saying uh, she wants to basically find out how to get involved in the election process and pick a good candidate. I love this question, Evelyn. She says, Heidi, I voted today in the Indiana primaries. This obviously is from a couple months ago. I told you guys I'm a little behind. Uh, in my uh, questions. I'm trying to get caught up. Um, I found it quite difficult to find information on the candidates. It took me a long time and much effort. Do you have any recommendations for finding good information about future elections? Yes, Evelyn, I do. I absolutely do. I'm going to link back to these things in the show notes today, but one of the very first places I always send people is wallbuilders.com. This is David Barton's ministry. It's fantastic. They're also the people who... uh, run the christianvoterguide.com, but he'll talk to you about your responsibilities as uh, as citizens, right? We have a responsibility to pray and then act, right? And so he's going to start there. If you're not registered to vote, he'll uh, give you links to register to vote. There are a bunch of pro-family organizations that give that, that basically um, publish voter guides but I love wall builders because he links to all of them. So the American Family Association has voter resources. The Christian Coalition produces a voter guide every uh, every time we have an election. Eagle Forum has Election Central. Definitely check that out. The Family Research Council issues voting records, which if you before you vote for somebody, know how they voted in the past. I mean, obviously, you can't do this on a new uh, candidate, but certainly on incumbents, they always have records. And I am one of those annoying values voters. If somebody is not pro-life, they're not going to get my vote. I don't care how amazing their economic plan is. Uh, we we vote according to what God says is important. Uh, Focus on the Family obviously has Citizen Link. And then the National Right to Life Committee issues voting records so that you can see how your congressmen and senators are voting on issues that have to do with the sanctity of human life. So this would go to everything from euthanasia to abortion to assisted suicide, all of those things. Um, find out and then get involved. Every single one of you should be registered to vote. And in fact, until the election, until the midterms, I'm going to be linking to um, to places where you can go to register to vote. So you want to to get registered and let your voice be heard. There is so much at stake. Uh, I cannot stress it enough. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Evelyn, for that question. It's a great question. Uh, The Liberty Council put something out, which I thought was so important. Uh, It's called lc.org. I've heard a lot of people say, well, separation of church and state, and it keeps churches from speaking out in an election cycle. So we don't talk about things because we think we're going to get in trouble, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I want to just let you know that this is, and I'll link back to it today. You maybe even want to give this to your pastor um, it's a political and legislative guideline for pastors and churches, and it tells you what you can and can't do under your 501c3, which, you know, my husband and I run a 501c3, and uh, there have been many times when I have been frustrated by that because I think it keeps churches from speaking out because we're afraid of losing money. Let's just let that sink in for a second. Uh, but it actually gives you more latitude than you think. It doesn't restrict the pastor from talking at all, just um, his position in the church, which is a bummer. So as a pastor, he can definitely endorse or oppose a political candidate, but the church cannot do it. Churches cannot contribute to political candidates, but pastors can. 
uh, churches cannot give in-kind and independent expenditures for or against political candidates, but pastors can. And churches cannot make contributions to political action committees. Those would be the PACs that you guys hear about uh, quite a bit. But guess what? A church can host an appearance of a political candidate at a church meeting or at a service. Did you guys know that? Churches can introduce political candidates at church. Uh, churches can have a political candidate preach or read scripture. Uh, don't solicit contributions, please. But, um, oh my goodness, we have a platform. Use it. Churches can encourage people to vote and and issue a voter registration programs. They have to be nonpartisan, but they can do that. And so there's actually a lot more that you that a church can do. You can't do fundraising for candidates um, and you cannot campaign for them, but you can definitely educate the members of your church about the viewpoints of the candidates. And I think a lot of churches think, oh, I'm not going to get into the fray. Get into the fray. We should know who is running. The Bible says that when the wicked are in power, the people groan. We want to see good people uh, running for office and good people uh, endorsed. And a lot of times the frustration comes with with voting. Christians don't go out to vote because they're so overwhelmed by the process. And I want to say, don't get overwhelmed by the process. Get educated and get involved. So I'm going to link back to those things in the show notes today. I'm going to run over time. This always happens at Mailbox Monday. Really quickly, Heather asked, what about Christian schools? She said, Heidi, you discuss increasingly the depraved environment of public schools as one of your primary motivators for homeschooling but neither of us have heard you really discuss much about your private, uh, about private biblically sound Christian schools. Though this is not an option financially for many families, we both find it curious as to why this third option is not contrasted in your discussions. It seems you offer only two polarizing choices or two polar choices, uh, public education and homeschooling. Okay, so uh, I think you're probably right. I probably don't talk about it very much. I actually went to a Christian school my whole life, kindergarten through 12th grade. I had a great experience there. Um, I loved my school. I really believe in having, you know, now I've been a mother for 27 years and have been raising seven children in this time. Um, I, I sincerely believe that homeschooling is the best option of all these options. And I have lots of, of reasons for that. But if you can't homeschool your children, then definitely a Christian school is a good option. I mean, you, if you're going to put your kids in school, you just you need to know your their teachers. I don't care if, what school they're in, a private school, a public school. You need to know who is influencing your child. If Luke 640, if we believe God's word, that when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher, then it's not incumbent upon the teacher uh, to know about the child. It's incumbent upon the parent to know about the teacher that's influencing the child. And so I am not opposed to Christian education. Um, I do believe homeschooling is a better way of education simply because of what's happening in the culture right now. And parents who can assume that responsibility, I think, wow, what an incredible thing. I mean, like I've said many times on the podcast, I never planned on homeschooling my kids. And in fact, our oldest daughter was in public school for a while. She was in Christian school for a while. And when my eyes were opened to the power of educating them at home and the importance of shaping them, uh, we made the the decision to pull our child out of uh, Christian school and out of a public school and homeschool her. And in fact, when she was, uh, at one point, my husband was pastoring at a, a fairly large church and we were given the opportunity to have free education, a free Christian school tuition uh, as a benefit of working for the church. And I remember telling my husband, oh my word, this is the holy grail of education. We're going to get a Christian education paid for. And I was so excited. But you know, as the weeks went by and as the the date to get closer, uh, to put her in school got closer and closer, I realized that the blessing and benefit of homeschooling was even greater than 
somebody giving me money to put my child in Christian school. And we decided we opted out of it and we kept homeschooling. And so does that mean homeschooling is perfect? No. Have we always had great days homeschooling? Absolutely not. Have I wanted to jump off a cliff? Yes. But overall, uh, we've been very, very glad we did it. It does not mean that I, in fact, I can't even find anything in the Bible that says putting your kid in a public school is sin. I just think it's not very wise given what's happening, unless you're you're willing to be right there uh, with your child. And in, to some degree, I feel the same way about Christian school. You just have to be right in there with your kids. And frankly, it ended up being better for me instead of having to be right there in the school, I'm just right there with my kids. So I don't know why, Heather, I haven't really talked about that on the podcast. Um, It never really occurred to me. But like I said, I went to a Christian school, kindergarten through 12th grade. I'm still in touch with some of my teachers that were there and even my principal from high school. So I'm not anti-Christian school. I guess I should, maybe that's what I should end on. (laughs) So I hope that helps. Thank you guys for submitting your questions. If you have questions that you'd like addressed at the podcast, shoot me an email, podcast at thebusymom.com. Please, please, please put mailbox monday in the subject line you guys this coming weekend is my women's conference miracle worker the life-changing power of following jesus i hope you will join me Uh, you can bring your teenagers some of you have been asking if you can bring the women from your youth group the young women from your youth group absolutely we're going to be in the bible and we're going to spend an entire day we're going to have lunch together we're going to worship together uh I'm telling you what, you will not leave the same. So you can uh, find information on that conference at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. And uh, I hope to see you there. In the meantime, have a fantastic Monday, everybody. And I'll see you back here with the first week of our new study at MomStrong International on Wednesday. For more encouragement, visit me online at TheBusyMom.com.